0: Welcome to The Divorce Podcast, a podcast that aims to address divorce, separation and co-parenting here in the UK, countering the often sensationalist way it's portrayed in the media, challenging the status quo and driving for reform. On each episode, I'm joined by experts to discuss divorce and separation and co-parenting from different angles and to give their opinions and to debate them. I'm Kate Daly, a relationship counsellor and divorce coach, co-founder of Amicable, the divorce services company, and host of The Divorce Podcast. In this episode, we're discussing children and divorce, and I'm joined by two wonderful guests, Sarah Davidson and Rhiannon Ford. Sarah is a breakup expert, divorce coach, and best-selling author. She launched her breakup retreats back in 2016, and Sarah's mission is to banish stigma around divorce. Rhiannon is a divorce consultant and was previously a family lawyer and left the profession to support people with more practical help and emotional support. Sarah, Rhiannon, thank you very much for joining me. Lovely to be here. Yes, thanks very much. Let me kick off then, Sarah. Um, Many people stay in their relationship for the sake of the children. Are they right to do this?
1: Well, that's a really good question, Kate, because I think everybody is different and every situation is different. I see so many different scenarios in my clinic. And I think that you you have to really consider it on an individual basis. However, as parents, we are role models for our kids, you know, and they are watching us and absorbing what we're doing and building their future map of the world based on what they're seeing with us. So I think the important questions to ask if you're considering staying in the relationship for the sake of the children is, what are they learning from you guys being together? You know, what are they learning about what love is, what marriage is, and what marriage should feel like and be like? And also looking at how they're learning how to treat other people in a relationship. So how do you treat your wife or how is it okay to treat your husband? And also considering things like what sort of boundaries – by boundaries, I mean what is acceptable behaviour in a marriage, in a relationship – because looking at and living in an environment with mum and dad, they're learning from you. They're learning from everything you do, whether they're little, very small. They're still absorbing the energy and, the, and the, maybe the tension of any conflict that's going on. Even as they're older, especially as they hit less their 10, 11, 12, they're watching to see how romantic relationships should work and basing their future relationships on what they're seeing. So I think that's all really really important to consider as you're thinking about whether you should stay for the sake of them is looking at from their perspective what are they actually learning from you so effectively
0: you're role modeling their future way they're going to interact in relationships you mean
1: Yeah, I think we are role models for our kids, you know, and everything we do, but especially in in a marriage, they're learning what to do and what not to do. And you might find that some children will rebel against what they've seen and do the complete opposite. But you might also find that some children learn bad habits. And often if you look at adults, you can see back as to why some of the behaviours they have now is because their parents did things in a certain way and it's their learned behaviour what they felt was acceptable or just the way to do things. And they've never questioned it because that's their only experience of that marriage relationship. So they're taking their learnings and then using them themselves as they grow up. And you might find that plays out in teenage relationships, maybe in their early 20s, but you will definitely see patterns that they've learned as they get into, into marriage. And Rhiannon, do you think there's ever a case for
0: staying put in the marriage then?
2: I think it's got to be a personal choice really. I mean, I agree with everything that Sarah has said there. Parents have a big responsibility to be, you know, important role models for their children. I think I'm sure there are personal reasons that some people feel that they they need to stay together, but I would always worry about whether that would be the right decision not just now but also moving forward, not just for the children but for themselves. So I think it's a very difficult one.
0: Yeah hmm. And Rhiannon, telling the children that you're going to get divorced or that you're separating has to be one of the most difficult moments in the whole breakup process. Is there a right time to do it? At what point in that process?
2: Do you believe it's it's appropriate to tell the children what's going on? I absolutely agree with you that it's such a difficult conversation and actually many of my clients are more nervous about that conversation than they are often telling their spouse because they feel obviously as parents they want to do the right thing for their children. What I tend to be very cautious of when I speak to clients is I do advise them not to rush into this conversation too quickly. I think for a lot of people, because it's so difficult and uncomfortable, there is a risk that the parents could sort of rush into it to sort of get the conversation done. So they know that they've got over that difficult conversation What's the right time depends on the circumstances of the family, I would say. Every case is different. Everybody has different circumstances. So what tends to happen more often than not is the decision to divorce is made by one of the couple. And so obviously a conversation needs to be had first. With the decision maker, with their spouse, then to tell them that they want a divorce, and that other spouse needs time to process that information, and and both of the couple need time to catch their breath and have conversations between themselves before I think they should bark on discussing how, when, and what to tell the children. So I think it's you know it has to be sort of approached in a in a very sensitive way. I think it also can depend on the ages of the children. So what I tend to advise my clients is really young children need to be protected. Well, all children obviously need to be protected, but really young children, I advise to protect them from the, the adult relationship dynamic and difficulties for as long as possible. However, what I have found is with teenagers, they are particularly sensitive. They probably understand a lot more about, you know, the arguments that mum and dad have been having, perhaps have overheard some some sort of upsetting or Conversations and are wondering what's going on. So sometimes it can be more helpful for older children, obviously, on an age appropriate way and not giving them too much information. But sometimes it's helpful for them to be told that mum and dad are splitting up slightly sooner than really, really young children. My advice is always for the parents to have conversations between themselves so that they're on the same page. And if at all possible, for them to talk to the children together. So that mum and dad are coming at the conversation as a a united force. And, And going back to your question of when's the right time, it depends really on the circumstances that I've already mentioned. But also, one of the important factors that comes up a lot with my clients is they want to make sure it's them that tells the children. So, they obviously want to avoid a situation, understandably, where the children might find out by default. So, one of the parents may have spoken to a friend or a family member or, and it, it may have sort of, you know, suddenly somebody thinks the children know already and then discusses things with the children and actually the children haven't been talked to by their parents. And That can be obviously very awkward.
0: I mean, one of the things we often say is that for little children in particular, until something is changing for them, so one parent perhaps is moving out or something else is changing, then it's it's best not to say
2: anything until another catalyst happens where you have to explain the circumstances. Absolutely, I agree with that. And the example you gave is obviously the most common one, where one parent is is likely to be moving out of the property. So I think you know there's a balance to be made with obviously not announcing it literally the night before one of the parents moves out, so the children at least have time to sort of catch their breath a little bit, but actually not giving too much time for young children for them to be worrying about things and, and not quite understanding when this is going to happen and how it's going to affect them, because obviously children are going to be processing this in information in different ways depending on their ages
0: yeah and and that's an important point isn't it I mean Sarah let's talk about ages and stages are there different ways of telling younger children versus older children that you're separating
1: yes and I think again this is something that parents have to consider on a child by child basis as well because every child is different you know so a child that is yeah, you know, I had uh, a couple who's Children were twins, but they were very different personalities. So you've got to really think about not just the ages, but actually the type of child that, and the kind of message and the way they might react to that kind of information as well. So, yeah, I think the ages are important. I mean, obviously, children who are very, very young, then you know they won't know any different because they will never remember their parents living together. Whereas, you know, children, as they get older, you know, that separation from one parent, if they're moving out of the home, can be more traumatic. But again, I think considering, you know, are they an anxious child? How do they handle pressure? How do they cope with change and the unknown? You know, some kids will take that in their stride and you know be able to handle it and have coping mechanisms already that are are natural for them just to sort of get through those difficult times other children aren't as secure and they may you know worry about what other people might say about them what people are going to think they might find it a reflection on them they might take it as a personal thing how is it going to impact on that child's life and and their friendships do they have a support group you know I had a child the other day who's parents got separated and she was the first child in the class for her parents to separate and that was a really big deal for her so the message to that child would be very very different and the way it's handled would be very different Um, whereas her brother who was only 18 months older than her was much more confident and had a a much more open way of, of discussing things with his parents anyway and could handle it very differently so I think yeah the advice is generic as far as you know it's got to be reassuring you've got to tell them that they're loved and it's it's not their fault because children of all ages might you know come to the conclusion it was something they've done and obviously we want to make sure that they feel that it's not their fault and that they're still going to be loved by both parents I think at any age it's important not to promise what you can't deliver you know don't make it sound better than it is or promise certain things at one house or another house if that is not going to going to happen Yeah, reassuring them that both parents are still going to be in their lives. If that's the case, then that's something important. But again, you've got to be honest. You know, you've got to be very clear on on some things. Identify what's going to be consistent, I think, is very important because knowing that they're going to still be going to the same school or, you know, that there's some consistency. It's not all change because change can be very unnerving, especially for, for some personalities. And then focus on the positive as well with children. I'm you know, making sure, you know, for little children, younger children, you can focus on them having two bedrooms, two sets of toys, maybe even two Christmases if you're going to do that separately. Because of course, Father Christmas will come twice uh, if you're divorced, as long as you let them know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, not going into to all the gory details. I think even if they're older children, I don't feel the pressure to to overwhelm with all the details at this stage because the first time you sit with them down, talk to them it's going to be a lot just to take on board. So don't feel the pressure to sort of explain everything and how it's all going to be because things will evolve and you can always sit down again when people have had time to adjust. So I think that's, that's really important. I think that's the
0: key, isn't it? Keeping it a fairly short conversation, like you say. So you're just trying to get the one concept across that there's going to be a different family arrangement effectively, rather than, as you say, burdening with all the detail. But what about emotion? So you know, a lot of parents say to me, what if I can't hold it together? What if I cry?
1: Yeah, and I think it's important that you you maybe rehearse it with your partner as well. If you're going ex- you know, to sit down together and go through it and, and just manage, because one of you will probably be more emotional than the other and just talking about that and how you'll handle that and maybe doing five star jumps before you sit down, just so you're in the right frame of mind. I think it's important to get it into perspective that you're doing this for the kids. You know, it is going to be emotional. And if you think you're going to struggle, then cutting it short is better than dragging it on and and getting upset. As well as the emotions of blame, if you're angry with your ex, maybe it's not your choice or your fault that this is happening, then I think you've got to be careful not to allocate blame because again, that's going to cause a, a conflict and a dynamic that this should be quite neutral. It should be you know, just informative at this stage and just reassuring and like, you know, making sure that the kids know you're there for them so that they know there is that consistency moving forward. Yeah. And Rhiannon, what
0: sort
2: of tips do you give parents for managing this kind of conversation? The first tip I tend to give clients is to remember that you are still a family and actually what's changing is the relationship dynamic of mum and dad, but you are still parents. And actually, it's really important to remember that. And that can be very difficult because emotions are often quite raw and things are obviously very difficult, which is why the relationship has broken down between mum and dad. But keeping that focus on the fact that you are still a family, you do still have the responsibility of parenting these children, I think can help parents to get clear on how they want to approach something as sensitive as this conversation with their children and remembering that actually they need to put aside their personal differences uh, about each other and actually focus on how do we need to approach this in the best way for our children. Sure. And are there any don'ts? Are there any big no-nos, things to steer clear of? Well, I would actually say, Sarah's mentioned this already, avoiding assigning blame. So the two, the two things I tend to say to try and avoid is assigning blame. So not trying to blame one parent over the other or actually giving too much detail about the circumstances that have brought the breakdown of the relationship. And I think that's really important. So again, that goes back to what I was saying about the parents putting aside their personal differences about each other and focusing on the fact that they are parents and the children actually don't need to know, and it's actually not helpful or appropriate for them to be given too much detail. They have a right to have a relationship with both their parents and not feel they need to favour one over the other.
0: Hmm. And so what do you say to a parent who's you know, this conversation is inevitable, it's going to come, but they just can't cope. They just can't put their own feelings aside at this stage. Should they steer clear of having the conversation, put it off, or
2: is there something that they can do to prepare themselves? I think making sure they feel that they've had a good discussion with the other spouse so that they can sort of, even if they need to be upset with each other, to sort of feel that actually they've, they've they've done a practice run. So maybe think really clearly about what exactly they're going to say to the children. The other thing I think that can be really helpful is obviously for both parties, so both parents, to have their own go-to person. And what I mean by that is their own, I don't like to say the word ally, but for want of a better expression, an ally that they can go to and they can talk to quite openly about how they feel and they can be upset and they can you know exactly say it how it is and yeah. how they feel. don't have to
0: be their best self and absolutely so, and I think yeah. that
2: can make a big difference because then hopefully they're going to feel they've sort of got that out of their system to a certain extent and hopefully they'll feel a little bit calmer about having that conversation with the children
0: and Sarah, when you've had the big conversation, so you know you, you've set the scene, you, you've told the children what's happened. What happens next? Is it a one-off conversation, or is this something you have to have several bites at?
1: I think you need to make sure that the children know they can come and talk to you, ask you any questions, and that you're always going to be there for them to talk about this. Because the children won't, and especially depending on their ages, the younger children, they it will take them a while to process it, and the older children will have questions that maybe they don't think about at the time. And also, you've got to see how they manage that process, because some children may appear fine, but in a week or two, you might notice that the behavior has changed. Maybe they've, some children go quiet and quite reserved as they're trying to process it because they're anxious. Other children might start playing up at school or being more argumentative, uh, pushing the boundaries a little bit more. So I think you've got to really wait and see what happens and just make sure that they know that you're there for them. You're both there for them. They can talk to either of you at any time. And of course, this works best when it is an amicable breakup and when you're both working together. Sometimes in toxic relationships, some of these things aren't going to be possible. And that doesn't mean that you still can't do this in a way that nurtures your child and protects them and is in their best interest, but you may need to adapt it slightly because sometimes it won't be possible to sit down as you know as we we're saying and, and and do this as a, a t- as the two exes together you, you and your partner doing it together it may not be possible so you need to really think about your individual situation and what's best for you and the children and then just to sort of make sure you work together if you can as a team afterwards even if you're in separate homes and feedback any changes in behavior or upset so that both parents are on the same page if that's possible mm-hmm.
0: and are there some typical signs that your children isn't coping at what point is it something you manage within the family and at what point do you take it to somewhere a bit more professional with a bit more support?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think you know, with all the older children offering them the chance to speak to somebody, I think that's outside of the family because – if one of the children is finding it hard to cope, they may feel like they're taking sides if they speak to one parent. They may have more of an affinity or the ability to talk about emotions of one parent rather than the other. So it puts them in the middle a little bit. So sometimes having an independent person, like the school counsellor or somebody like that, that they can pop in and speak to, is actually a really helpful support as and when they need it. And I think it's important that they they want that um, rather than forcing it on them. But I think it's something that giving them the option is, is really important. But there's lots of behaviours that might come up. Some, you know, as I said before, some of the, some children withdraw. Some children you might not notice any difference at all. You know, they might actually be very used to it, and actually they'll have friends at school who go in and out mum and dad's houses. They've got different homes, and that's normal for them. Whereas, like the client I was talking about earlier, her her daughter it was she was the first one, and obviously that is a lot harder because she was different, and some children find it hard to be different which is why it's important to get them their own support team around them, whether they're very young or older. Having play dates with kids that come from you know, parents living in different homes already just makes it a little bit more normal for them. I
0: think that normalisation is really important, isn't it? So that people, the children rather understand that lots of different ways of living exist. And, you know, when it becomes a situation of blended families, maybe a bit further down the line, then absolutely it's it's trying to role model, isn't it, with the choice of friends and friendship groups and the, the places you hang out that this is just part and parcel of lots of different successful ways of living rather than it being stigmatized.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the issues that I've seen in my clinic with clients is their children find it hard to sleep in a new house. Sometimes that can be different. So, if dad's moved out, maybe then, then going there and staying the night in a different bedroom. So, making sure they've got a transitional toy or item that can go backwards and forwards with them can sometimes help, especially younger children. But you'd be surprised, actually. So I've got a child at who's 12 and just taking a, a certain toy with him backwards and forwards even though mum and dad do the handover he won't take it to school you know, really helped him just to have that um, comfort at night so I think you've really got to think about those small things that can make a massive difference for the child yeah and um,
0: Rhiannon just who else should you be telling so you've told the kids are there other people that need to know
2: and that are conversations that you need to manage do you think as well This will depend on the family themselves, I think, and also timing's quite important. What I tend to start off with when I'm sort of advising a new client is it's important to have a good support team in place for you and for the children to have their own independent support, but keep that support team quite tight. So decide very carefully who you're going to share information with and the detail of that information. As far as the children are concerned, it can be helpful to let the school know. As Sarah's mentioned, you know, a lot of schools are very good these days with the the support that they have, the pastoral care. So, there might be a school counsellor. What I tend to say to my clients is, is there a grown-up that your child or children are particularly close to in their life that you could have a quick chat to possibly to sort of keep an eye on them or have conversations with them to make sure that if they don't feel comfortable talking to mum and dad about any worries they have about the separation, they can actually go to you. So I think It depends on the circumstances, it depends on the personality and the age of the children but speaking to the school can be very helpful because the children obviously spend a lot of time there and actually the teachers are in a very strong position to pick up on any changes in behaviour that may be of concern so actually it can be quite helpful for the school. I've got quite a lot of clients with quite sporty children so one of the grown-ups that we've sort of put in place is the rugby coach for one of the boys so that you know he just checks in with him, you know, after practice and just sees how he is. And they just have a normal chat, but it's making sure that that child feels that they have a grown up to go and talk to, should they not want to talk to mum or dad about things. And again, the coach is in a very good position to know if that child is sort of behaving differently or seems out of sorts, or it seems to be upset about something.
0: And I guess as a parent, one of the hardest things about this is is feeling that it's okay for your child to talk to another trusted adult when in a in a family where you aren't divorcing you often feel that your kids would always come to you maybe naively but the idea of letting them know, go and speak to other people because you just aren't the right people to have those conversations with. That's quite a tough
2: one for a parent, isn't it? It can be. The way that I sort of present it to clients is it actually helps you as the parent. So you're processing something very difficult yourself. You're going through a divorce and separation, possibly not something that That has happened to you before. And a lot of my clients worry that they're not there enough. They're not present enough for their children because they know they're going through a difficult time themselves. So actually you know, it helps the parent to know that that child does have support, even though the parent themselves might be going through a challenging time at the moment. Yes, of course, the first person they want the child to come and talk to is themselves, but actually to make sure that if the child at any time doesn't feel comfortable talking to mum or dad about it, that they can actually go and speak to their uncle or the rugby coach or the school counsellor. And actually for a lot of my clients, when we've managed to put that in place, it's sort of taken some pressure off them. So they have felt that actually, they're doing the right thing for their child. They're providing the best support system and support team for their child, whilst the whole family is going through obviously quite a challenging time.
0: Yeah. Sarah, any final word of advice for a parent about to face this situation?
1: Yes. I mean, I think divorce can be known as quite a uh, challenging time. It is known as the second most traumatic experience we go through after death of a loved one. So, of course, this part of this process is going to be tough but actually to hold on to the fact that this is a golden opportunity to to be able to redesign your life just the way you want it so there is a light at the end of the tunnel you can get through it you will get through it and ask for help if you need it because there are lots of people out there that can offer you help and advice just to make it a bit easier for you to get through thank you well look that's all we've got time for where can people
0: find you if they want that help and advice sarah
1: They can visit my website, sarahdavison.com, and they can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, Sarah Davison Divorce Coach. Thank
2: you. And Rhiannon, how can people find you? Via my website, which is rhiannon And like Sarah, I'm on social media as well. So I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And on Instagram, I'm known as the Divorce Navigator
0: brilliant thank you and of course you can find me on twitter i'm at kate underscore daily and also you can find the podcasts at thedivorcepodcast.com. you can subscribe for updates and you can hear more of the podcasts we've recorded on various topics around divorce co-parenting and separation ladies thank you so much for joining me today it's been an absolute pleasure to discuss telling your children that you're divorcing in much more detail and thank you all for listening